Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of The Link. I'm so glad you're joining us today. You know, we're in the holiday season. Many would call this the most wonderful time of the year. The wonder, the excitement. No doubt you're in the swing of it. You've got your decorations up. You've chosen your meal, maybe even picked out that ugly sweater. But as you plan for this year, let's not forget that for some, it's a season that is full of anxiety. And today I want to have a critical conversation about a topic that is so real for so many, and that is the reality of anxiety. What is it? Uh, how do we know if we have it? How do you cope with it? And as always, I've brought two incredible people to join me for this conversation in order to help us to navigate through it. First off, uh, Michaela Cedar is joining us. Uh, Michaela works in our communications department. Uh, she is a product of the Leadership Institute here at Woodside. And here's a fun fact, got married this summer yes. in August, <laughs> a COVID wedding in August to uh, the love of your life, Joe. Yes. So congratulations Thank on that. You. And Thank thanks you. for joining us. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, and then John Opelouski. And uh, if you've been around Woodside, in particular if you're staff, you'll know John. Uh, John is a wonderful leader, pastor, consultant, and author. Uh, John pastored for 15 years, a thriving church as a senior pastor. And then God led him into the business world where he started uh, with his wife, Converge Consulting, uh, where he oversees that now. And his uh, leadership experience in business and in church makes him a pretty highly sought after speaker. But he always carves out time for the Woodside family, and we appreciate that, John. God bless, and thanks for joining us. Chris, thanks for the invite. It's really nice to be with you. Yeah. You know, this is a really important topic, and I think for me, uh, a very personal topic, and I'm sure it's true for you guys as well. Uh, many of our uh, members of our church family and uh, some that are beyond our church family live with the reality of anxiety. But for some, when we talk about anxiety, there's confusion. Uh, what is anxiety? What is depression? What is just simply discouragement? What is just having a bad day? So John, let's start with just defining it. What is anxiety? Well, I'd like to start by differentiating between depression and anxiety, if that's okay with yeah. you, Chris. Uh, they are connected to each other in, yes. in a, from a chemical perspective. There's many uh, who believe it is connected to low serotonin levels, okay. both depression and anxiety. Depression uh, can feel like you're running life in slow motion, uh, like you're, you're walking through mud, emotional mud. Um, anxiety is different in this sense that there's, there's pent-up energy and a, a fear that's coupled with that, and you don't know what to do with it. And, and so they're different, but they are related chemically. Mm -hmm. So what would you describe uh, in a very uh, maybe practical way uh, of what anxiety looks like or feels like? Well, Chris, there's several layers to anxiety. It's not just one uh, one definition won't really work. I'll sure. just give them to you real quick. Uh, I won't give them all to you. I'll give you the three common ones. Okay. Uh, first is uh, anxiety attacks. Yes. And an anxiety attack is this sudden rush of uncomfortable physical symptoms mm -hmm. accompanied by this sense of impending doom. Yeah. Uh, there is uh, physical manifestations many times. Uh, some uh, who suffer with anxiety, and I'm, I was one of those, uh, feel like they're choking or they're, like they're having a heart attack or they're seeing spots. It's, there's this physical anxiety and it is, it is a very uncomfortable 
experience. Um, they're, they're random and uh, they really shake you up. Yeah. That's anxiety attack. Anxiety disorder would be another level up. Yes. And that is where there are a series of anxiety attacks that uh, develop into some sort of habitual pattern in your life. Sure. And they're, 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 they happen often. And, uh, be, and when they're not dealt with properly, um, they, they can become a regular occurrence in your life. Uh, again, very, uh, very uncomfortable uh, experience. And then there is this uh, layer called generalized anxiety, Chris. And it, that's more of a nervous approach to life, just an anxious approach to life. It might not be at the level in terms of intensity that a panic attack or an anxiety attack would be, but it's more of this low-level subterranean, always there type of anxiety. It's more of like a nervous mood. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as you say that, because I think about my own personal journey uh, with anxiety, and, and certainly that first definition probably describes it the best, where there are unexpected moments, situations where it seems to, what I would describe almost like a flood, uh, where this uh, tsunami of uh, feeling overwhelmed, uh, maybe even some paranoia, uh, very anxious thoughts, um, and, um, and, and it would subside uh, after uh, a while, but uh, certainly uh, you used over and over again, uncomfortable, mm -hmm. you know, living with that discomfort. Uh, Michaela, I don't know if you would add anything uh, to that definition, but I'd love to hear you share a little bit about uh, your journey uh, with anxiety. Yeah, so for me, it's um, something that I've dealt with and struggled with pretty much since my earliest memories. Um, and what was striking about what you said, John, is it's a very um, big combination for me between the first thing that you explained, which is the attacks and where it's like the randomness and it kind of comes out of nowhere. And then coupled with just that generalized anxiety disorder where um, even when it's not at its most intense, it never fully goes away. It's always something that I've dealt with kind of in waves my whole life. And yeah, my earliest memories is being a kid and being afraid of things like school or trying new things or joining a new sports team. And even if um, I eventually loved it and, and, and ended up like being a part of it, uh, that first step was always super difficult for me. I felt like I needed to know, okay, mom, like, if I don't like this, I can have a way out. I don't have to do this. I always felt like it was a bit of a control thing for me. And if I, if I was stepping into an unknown or I didn't have control, um, that was something that was really hard for me to handle as a kid. And uh, growing up, I mean, it's developed and it's taken different shapes in my life, but it's never fully left me and it wasn't until I got to college and I started uh, to seek help and to see a therapist that I was able to actually give a name to it and understand what you're saying um, and know that this isn't just Michaela's normal but it's something that many people struggle with and um, that alone was a huge relief for me and, and helped me start my journey of being able to deal with it, so. Yeah, I said to you before we started recording how much I appreciate just your vulnerability, your transparency, because honestly, I um, went through a season where I thought anxiety was so taboo 
that you just don't talk about it, in particular, if you're a Christian leader, right? Because people are looking at you as, oh, you have victory over all the, let, let me just say, we are human. Every single one of us are human, regardless of title. But I will say that I have come to the place where I almost assume that more people have it than don't, and especially now coming through uh, 2020. I just think that it's had such an enormous impact on our culture. And a lot of studies are coming out. No doubt they'll come out more over the years that will tell the story of how many actually are dealing with uh, anxiety. How liberating was it for you, Michaela, just when you got to college, being able to just name it and to know this is what I'm dealing with? That alone was extremely liberating. It was what allowed me to have the freedom and the confidence to continue pursuing um, a process of treatment and to continue pursuing um, just other people who could speak into that and to not feel ashamed of it and to not feel guilty for, for dealing with something that I never asked to deal with. So, yeah. You know, and I feel for parents too, because you describe it as a kid and uh, you know, I'm raising uh, my children now. And as a parent, you know, if my child comes to me and says, I'm nervous, I'm afraid, you know, as a dad, I'm gonna try to encourage them, don't be afraid, get out there. But uh, hearing your story, I think helps I know me and hopefully other parents to say, maybe I should stop and consider what's going on internally. John, uh, you've shared your story before with our team, but maybe in brief, how has anxiety and you've mentioned even depression uh, impacted your life? Well, when I was uh, pastoring, Chris, uh, lead pastor, uh, this was about 20 plus years ago. Uh, church was doing great, four boys, wonderful family, married to a beautiful wife. And, uh, but on the inside, I was falling apart emotionally. And uh, 20, 25 years ago, nobody, you, you mentioned this earlier, nobody really talked about depression or anxiety in the church yeah. Yeah. at all. Uh, never in a positive light. It was, it, if they did talk about it, it was very condescending. Yes. Um, so I can, I can really connect, Michaela, with what you were saying when you've got a name for it, because I didn't know what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. So I was uh, not sleeping, not eating, uh, having crying spells, uh, suicidal, not only suicidal thoughts, Chris, but actually had a plan in place uh, because I didn't want to continue living if life was going to be that miserable. And this was in the middle of probably the best year we had ever had as wow. pastors. Wow. Wow. And it just is a reminder that anxiety doesn't always just come along in bad seasons of our lives. Right. Uh, it can come at any point. And praise God, I know your story well enough to know that your wife played a huge role in um, helping you survive that moment and big reason why you're here today. Let, let's talk about coping. Uh, for those that are listening now, we don't wanna just discuss the uh, technicalities of anxiety. We wanna give hope, help and healing. So Michaela, what are some things that over the years have helped you in coping with anxiety? Yeah, so for me, um, as I mentioned, seeing a therapist obviously has been a huge, um, huge help for me in my life. And through that, that actually kind of laid the foundation for all of the other coping mechanisms that I'm able to use because she was able to bring um, suggestions into my life based on me, like who I am, my personality, things, um, and based on my, my personal symptoms of what could help me 
So things that I really like to do is write things down. If anyone knows me, they know I am a note taker. I have to get it out of my head and put it on paper. So that's something that really helps me, whether that's journaling or taking like to-do lists or anything along those lines. Um, another thing for me that's very helpful is exercise. So like any sort of movement, um, any sort of, even if it's like a bad day, just a little bit like a walk or anything. And if it could be outside, that's like a double bonus because uh, being outside, it really reminds me um, that there's so much more than just my problems and my own life. Like I get to enjoy all of this beauty that God has blessed us with. And so that to me is very um, like centering and healing. So that's very helpful. Um, and besides that, I would say having people around you in your life that you can trust, that you can confide in, um, like beyond even having a therapist, just between those sessions, being able to have people you can um, talk and process your thoughts with. And uh, yeah, so it's definitely a combination of things. And I would also say medication as well, for me has played a huge role in my um, coping process and just knowing that taking medication, whether it's for a season or whether it's long-term, is absolutely an okay thing to do. And um, it's something that can really help bring you just one step further in your healing process. So just the combination of everything has been a huge help for me. You know, John, I wanna hear from you in just a moment, but um, Michaela, I love the way you connected exercise to uh, or incorporated that into your plan because there is a huge connection between physical health and mental and emotional health. And I think that we should not overlook that. I've heard people even say getting uh, sleeping rhythms mm -hmm. uh, in place being a huge part of their management. But uh, John, as you think about Michaela's list, she named a number of good things. Anything you would add, just practical things to, to helping? Um, I, I have a list here of things yes. on, and she captured most she of them. She got all of them. She captured most <laughs> of them. So you did a great job. Um, but there is this scripture. I, I, I want to talk about the relational component a yes. little bit more. You touched on that. Yeah. I, I think that uh, a shared burden is half a burden. Yes. It's automatically cut in half. Yes. And, and anxiety is a burden too heavy for one person to handle by themselves. Yeah. Um, so... One of my favorite scriptures is Proverbs 12, 25. It says, anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. That's good. And, and when I think about all of the things, Chris, practical things that I did, there, were, there was exercise and there was medication and counseling, uh, changing my schedule around. I was working too hard and, 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 and collapsing that down to a, a more reasonable uh, pace. But I think the thing that helped me the most was the relational yeah. aspect. Anxiety and depression, they thrive in isolation. They thrive under the cover of secrecy and, and they're healed in community. And, and so the relational piece is, is, was the most important piece of the puzzle for me. You know, we're really big on life groups here at Woodside. And I just wanna use this as a commercial, if you will, to just encourage uh, everyone, you need community. And if 2020 has taught us anything, it's the consequence and the high price of isolation. That isolation is never healthy for us long-term. And I feel for those um, married couples that have been isolated, but in particular, our single friends. 
who live with anxiety and maybe you've been quarantining in your um, uh, apartment or house for more months out of the year than you've been not quarantining, uh, you need friendship, you need connection. And some of that may be virtually, but as much as possible, join a life group. Michaela, I would love to hear you talk about the role that your relationship with Christ has played. Uh, because in addition to all those practical things, I know your passion for the worship gathering, uh, for, for Jesus. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I would say that's absolutely the true foundation for um, any kind of healing that I've received and the continuing healing that I'm having um, is just being in the Word, knowing what God says about me and who I am, no matter what I'm struggling with, and additionally, bringing those struggles to Him in prayer. It can be really um, like difficult sometimes because it's very vulnerable and, you're, and speaking it out loud can feel uncomfortable, but I would really recommend like getting into a quiet place and actually speaking your fears out loud to God because that has been something that has really um, been helpful for me. And I know that, you know, we can't hide anything from him anyway. He already knows what you feel. He already knows the fears you have. And so to, for me, the car is like my place of like prayer all the time, right? And so I drive a lot. So um, I'll just speak to him and just say like, God, these are things that I'm dealing with and I might not know why I'm dealing with it and I might even be ashamed of the fact that I'm dealing with it, but I believe in your healing. I believe that you can fill these places and I just leave it there for him and that's yeah, been very helpful. I love that. I think that's awesome because whether you're married or single, we all know there's certain things you can't take to people. Yeah. Uh, just uh, not everybody's able to handle all of me. Yeah. <laughs> I realize that, right? Yeah. There are things that I'm going through that even my wife, as much as she loves me, or my best friend, as much as he loves me, can't handle. But praise God, I can take everything uh, to God. And that is such a powerful lesson to learn as a, as a young adult or as a teenager. I know there's some teenagers that are watching us. Prayer, your relationship with Jesus, it's so awesome. And thank God for rush hour, right? That yeah. gives you some <laughs> prayer time there. John, when do you know when you need to see a counselor? I mean, exercise is great. Um, being able to eat right, sleep right, all of those things are wonderful. But there does come a time where maybe you need professional help or medication. What are some of the signs that causes you to say, hey, this is time? So I think I could give you a few. Uh, one would be, Chris, obsessive thought patterns that you, you can't seem to break out of. Yeah. It just seems like you're on a treadmill with those and you just can't get yourself out of those. That would be one. Yeah. Uh, repeated anxiety attacks uh, over a period of time, uh, a persistent insomnia. Yeah. So if you, if you, because of your anxiety, if you have not been able to sleep for a couple of weeks, something's up. Yes. And, it, and, and that's a signal to you that um, you need to take it to the next level in terms of care. Uh, a couple of other ones are feeling out of control, um, even irritability level being higher than normal these over a period of time these are all signals that your anxiety uh, the things that you're doing you need to keep doing these practical things we've talked about but you need extra help and there's no shame in that um i i i have a counselor chris yeah. and i see that counselor yep. uh when i can't process something i'm going through and and you said it earlier my spouse can't process everything i'm going through yes. Yes. i need yep. help and um, so I think those are some indicators. Yep. You know, when you're, 
the, pers- the people who love you the most tell you, hey, you're in trouble. Yes. That's a sign. Yeah, I loved, uh, you know, the honesty around the counselor. I praise God for my counselor. And uh, I know after our son passed, there's no way that my wife and I would have made it if it wasn't for our counselor helping us through. I want to ask you two, two final bonus round questions, if you will. You work a lot with social media. Um, Have you thought about that relationship between social media, anxiety, especially for our young adults, any warnings or advice you want to give in that area? Yeah, absolutely. I think that social media can be an amazing tool. It can be a tool that connects us, especially in a year like 2020. Um, I'm sure a lot of us are grateful for things like Zoom and being able to connect, but I do believe too that social media can be um, very dangerous if you're using it in a way to measure yourself up, measure your life, measure where you're at. And so um, for me, my mom always says, comparison is the thief of joy. And I believe that is so true because um, I think that social media is very tempting to us to constantly be like, what's this person doing in their life? How is this person looking? And, and the list can go on. And so for me, especially when I was going through some pretty intense periods of anxiety, um, I deleted Instagram. I deleted Twitter. I, the only thing I have right now is Facebook and Snapchat, which I hardly use. And that's just to keep some connections. And I'm not saying that is the regimen for everyone, like not that everyone needs to go that route, but you need to know yourself. You need to pray about it. You need to um, ask other people, do you see me you know, using my phone too much, comparing myself too often, because sometimes it takes someone to speak that into your life. Like, hey, I think this might be unhealthy for you right now. Maybe you should take a a sabbatical. And we're all vulnerable to that, right? Absolutely. But I do want to say a special thing for parents. Hey, if you have young adults or kids in particular, delay social media for as long as you can. Uh, You know, I like to say it this way, that Twitter is a dangerous place. If you're not there, don't go there. Uh, But if you are there, be there for the good. John, just a final word on leaders. You do such wonderful work with leaders, but I would imagine leaders are more susceptible to these realities. Any advice or uh, wisdom you want to give to leaders? In terms of anxiety, uh, Chris? Yes, we've, uh, in the last, this year has been a flurry of phone calls, Zoom calls, sessions, with leaders uh, at varying levels of anxiety, almost all of them experiencing higher anxiety this year than in the past. Um, In the last two weeks, every day, multiple times, I've had uh, pastors uh, call me and say, John, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know if I can keep doing this. And I think the second wave of COVID has really kind of ratcheted up their anxiety level. And, and it's really difficult as a leader because people look to you. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to have it all together. You're supposed to, um, s- supposedly. And, and I don't know where we get that idea. You know, the Apostle Paul said in, in Romans, the thing that I don't want to do, I do. Yes. Yes. And the things that I do want to do, I don't. Yeah. And he said that to the entire world. Now, he didn't get specific about what that was, but he admitted he was flawed. And, and there is no shame. In fact, it's not weak to tell people, to let people know I'm tired on the inside. Yeah. That's not weakness. Yeah. Um, that's, to me, that's strength. Uh, it takes a strong leader to admit 
he or she is suffering with anxiety or depression. That's good. I so appreciate you both. I appreciate your journey in this and your willingness to help others. Uh, Michaela's done a blog and John, you continue to do consulting and walking with leaders. Uh, let's pray though, because we need to take all of this to the Lord in prayer. I wanna pray. Father, thank you so much that we can bring our burdens to you. Thank you that you are the lifter of our head, that you give us peace in the midst of anxiety. Lord, I pray that you would do what doctors can't do, that you would minister to our hearts and our souls. I pray for the person who's listening to us that maybe uh, this has been an answer to prayer because they have been dealing with this all too uh, much. I, I pray that they would find help, hope, and healing in you and that they would be connected to a network of people who can help them to experience victory. Ultimately, uh, we praise you that in you, uh, there is peace and there is joy. So thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Well, John, thanks for joining us. Michaela, thank you. And friends, in our postscript, as always, we're gonna have resources that can help you. Don't forget, we have blogs that go along uh, with this topic. We want you to have joy in this Christmas season, but as you deal with anxiety, please know that each of our campus pastors are here for you, as well as our counseling ministry here to support you. And until we're together again, can't wait to see you on the next edition of The Link.